Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. And it is Mystery Hour, and it's also a Mystery Hour after a 15-minute section where we didn't take any calls, which means that the switchboard is not full before it even starts, because I didn't remind you before the news that Mystery Hour was just around the corner. Take that as a call to arms. If you have a question that needs an answer, call in now. But don't be boring. That's the only rule. So if it's a question that no one else is going to be interested in hearing the answer to, think long and hard before inflicting it upon the rest of us. You will be politely invited by whoever picks up the phone to move along. If you're not entirely familiar with this feature, then I, 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 modesty aside, I think you're in for a bit of a treat. It's great fun. We, we, we almost always have a laugh out loud moment. In fact, I, I used to guarantee a laugh out loud moment during Mystery Hour. I, I never broke that guarantee. I just forgot to keep making the guarantee. There's no big conspiracy there. Um, who, why, what, where, when, whither, wherefore, whence, why do we do that, where does that come from, what's that all about? Uh, it can be clever. It can be really, really silly as well, if you want. I like to think all human life is here in Mystery Hour. It's also, historically, the part of the programme in which one is most likely to get the greatest accolade that British Radio can bestow upon a listener and or caller, which is, of course, a Rayleigh Otter Award, um, which you will receive if your qualifications for answering a question that somebody else has asked are unbelievably apposite. So if, if, if it is a question about sandwich toasters and you invented the sandwich toaster then you will get a Rayleigh Otter as well as the Mystery Hour round of applause which is itself a fairly shiny honour although we dish them out every week Rayleigh Otters but I don't think we've had one yet this week have we and it's Thursday already so and last week we had two or three in one hour it was such an astonishing because it doesn't just happen on Mystery Hour if we're having a conversation about um, I'm going to come up with really bad examples now so we're having a conversation about policing like we did in the first hour uh, a specific area of policing and somebody who rings in who actually wrote the rule book for that specific area of policing or who is currently the most senior police officer in the country with responsibility for that specific area of policing they too would get a Rayleigh Otter um, six minutes after 12 is the time 03456060973 is the number that you need if you hear somebody else ask a question to which you do know the answer then the number remains the same you ring in and answer it. I'll ask you what your qualifications are, but don't be intimidated because you could quite easily answer that by saying, oh, I saw it on telly last night, I saw it on David Attenborough, or I saw it on Mythbusters, or whatever it may be. Uh, equally, it could be a very serious um, and impressive qualification. So you might reply by saying to me, for example, that you have a PhD in the relevant subject area, or that you're the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton, um, who is actually the most decorated Mystery Hour contributor of all time, and who, more often than not, will pop up in the course of the final hour of Thursday's show with me here on LBC. Um, Shall we just crack on? So, is Gary ready? Gary, question or answer? Hi, James. Um, Firstly, I just want to say thanks again for my uh, my copy of the book. Good man. Have you read it yet? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through it. I'm definitely with it. When I can get a minute with the kids, not interrupting. Yeah, but, um, tell me about no, it. Nice one. Cheers, I'm, mate. Yeah. Thanks, James. Um, I wanted to know when uh, calories were first um, discovered. Calories? As, as in diets? Yeah. Why? Because yeah, you are... People, people might be finding this all a little bit cosy. Gar- Gary is one of the listeners to the programme that yeah. I've come over the years to consider a friend, and our paths have crossed in outside the radio studio. So I can tell you that he pays rather more attention to his physique <laughs> than what I do. Yeah, I've spent so much time counting calories. I was just wondering when, you know, obviously, we've got the, the average, you know, intake for yes. the female. I was just wondering whether, when it was first discovered, really. And before yeah. the discovery, how would you go on a diet? 
Well, yeah, this is it. <laughs> I don't. I genuinely mean that because I mean, women yeah. famous in the 1920s for the thinness of their waists and the tininess of mm. their corsetry. Yeah, but, yeah. but how would they know how to lose weight without yeah. knowing how much calories they were consuming? That's come about. Yeah, you're on. It's on. It's on the list. And a good example. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. And th- thank you for the kind words. It's uh, it's a good example of a um, a question that speaks to something that we all recognise, but very few of us have ever stopped to wonder about again. So when when were calories discovered and or invented or introduced into public discourse? Near as is in Watford. Question or answer, Neeraz? It's a question, please, James. Carry on. So, um, I was wondering how come you get more mashed potato out of sweet potatoes than regular baked potatoes if you have the exact same quantity. What do, what do you mean? So, to put it into context, I make cottage pies quite regularly. Yeah, I like, uh, I like a cottage pie. For you, for, for you to be able to make a cottage pie, you need to mash up some potatoes. So I used to make it with regular baking potatoes. A white, what, a white potato. White potato, yeah. yeah. So your regular starchy sort of potatoes. Um, I used to buy kg's worth of and to kind of keep it fair. Yeah. Um, I used to keep it, you know, make it in a regular casserole dish, the same casserole dish I've always used. Yes. Um, and then I've switched to kind of being a bit healthier, so making that with sweet potatoes, um, using the same casserole dish... Um, buying a kg worth of sweet potatoes, yeah. um, but I always seem to get less mash out of it. Out of the sweet potatoes? Out of the sweet potatoes. So basically, so you I get less coverage of the mince when you've got exactly. a kilo of sweet potatoes mashed up than you do when you've got a kilo of white potatoes. Absolutely. I think you've answered your own question. I think one word you've used possibly has answered your own question here. What's that? Starchy. But I didn't know that would actually make an actual... Um, it must have something to do with that. air, mustn't it? Because they're probably going to still weigh the same, aren't they? If you were to weigh that, so it's just volume that's increased, which is going to have more to do with the consistency than the nutritional content. Yeah. Also, gelato. I don't know why I said that. No, ice cream. Yeah, but it's not. It's a difference between gelato and ice cream that I think might be part of the difference between a potato and a sweet potato. But I'm really going out there now, Neeraz. Yes. I think, I, think, I think we need to come back onto the mainstream and just concentrate on the potatoes and leave the frozen goodies and treats out of it. Right. All right? I'll try and find out. I love this question. I love <laughs> Why do a kilo of sweet potatoes make rather less mashed potato than a kilo of mashed white potatoes? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. I told you you could ask anything on this program. That's calories and potatoes. Um, it's got quite a food-related flavour today. Um, Cameron is in Leeds. Cameron, question or answer? Hi, uh, uh, it's a question. Go on. Um, I'd like to know how you can undercook. What do you think? What is this? It's not. I'm not Delia Smith, mate. This is a cookery hour. (laughs) As Steve Allen will probably call it tomorrow, Dave O'Brien's cookery hour on LBC. Carry on. (laughs) Genuine question, though. Um, How how can you undercook beef, but you can't undercook chicken or pork? Salmonella. It's it's, it's bacteria. Yeah, but why doesn't beef contain bacteria then? And you can you can. Well, it just doesn't. It just doesn't, mate. Okay. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's it. I, I mean, pork is, for, for a whole variety of reasons, the internet's full of um, uh, clips and photographs claiming... So you're saying that, so you're, so you're saying that raw, raw beef doesn't contain any bacteria? Well, I don't any, know whether I mean, it contains any bacteria or not, but it's not going to harm you in the way that raw chicken probably would. Okay. So that's it. Well, th- th- you've answered the question. I now. think okay. I have. I think I have. Um, if, if anyone else can answer it more authoritatively, I shall, of course, allow them on. But in the meantime... Okay. That's for me. My day you go, Cameron. Thank you very much. Mark is here. Do, do you ever get asked anything else about how you'd like to have it cooked except a steak? 
Well, say, say that again, James. There's nothing... I thought you'd gone, actually. I was thinking out loud, but it's always slightly unnerving when someone replies when I'm thinking out loud. But I was just thinking, um, there is nothing else where, the, you're, where you're asked how you would like it to be cooked or prepared, is there, except steak? Question. So you go to a restaurant and they never come up to you. If you order pork, they say, you know, do you want it medium or... No, they don't. Yeah, no, they never would. But that, I think that's because pork and chicken have to be cooked to a certain point, uh, you know, and, and you wouldn't want it cooked any more than that because it'd be overcooked. You wouldn't want it cooked any less than that because it would be bad for you. So you have no choice. But with, with steak, you do. And it must be because of um, salmonella in the case of chicken, pr- presumably something similar in the case of pork. Thank you, mate. Mark is in Horsham in West Sussex. Mark, question or answer? I've got a question, James. Carry on. Um, in 1859, oh, the boy. Carrington event... Uh, happened. It was a massive solar flare uh, which knocked out the telegraph system. If that was to happen again today, how much notice would we have? How much time between the event taking place and us knowing about it would we have? I don't know anything about what you've just said, but you sound like a man of, of knowledge. So the Carrington event was a solar flare so intense that it, it knocked out the telegraph system, which was the nearest thing at the time that we had to a communications network. Spot on. And if it happened today, it would be akin to an electromagnetic pulse. Right. And we would lose everything. Uh, Are you sure? Uh, fairly sure, yeah. Okay. And these things happen. So how, how predictable are they? Um, is the question. Fairly, fairly predictable, but we need to be in alignment. We need to get, have a direct hit, is my understanding of it. Oh, OK. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we just need... Uh, to be honest, mate, I'm going to struggle to find anyone who knows more about this than you already do. I just take an interest well, in... You're sounding uh, like an expert, so I need someone to be more expert than, than you, and you already uh, know a heck of a lot more about it than most people listening. Absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see if anyone comes on, and I'm very excited because I'm popping out to the shop now to buy your book. Well, <laughs> this is... You can, you, I must warn you, you can have too much of a good thing. Warning taken. Thank you very much. Let's find an answer for him. How much warning would we get of a forthcoming Carrington event? There's a presumption of knowledge there that I do not have, but you will need, obviously, in order to answer this question. Yeah, lamb and duck, of course you can have those cooked differently as well. Sorry. I mean, the question was about why chicken and pork can't, so it's always going to be about bacteria and... And disease. Um, it's coming out to quarter past twelve. You are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Questions in need of an answer include that one of Mark's about the Carrington event. How much warning would we get? I like the mashed potato question. Don't get sniffy and snobby about it. I really like that. Uh, food technology, food science. These are important issues that children should be learning more about. Why does a kilo of white potatoes yield more mashed potato than a kilo of sweet potatoes oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three and when were calories discovered introduced or simply injected into the mainstream of of public understanding the best of james o'brien don't ring in to say steak tartare that just proves the point we've already made but it is um clogging up the phone line somewhere or carpaccio actually similarly i think would be a dish that could be loosely described as raw beef The, the question was more about why why you don't eat raw chicken some dishes there is a minced pork dish that's popular in some parts of the world um i I just presume they make it so fresh that there is no time whatsoever for the bacteria to take place if you just tuned in you're probably wondering what on earth is going on i'm not going to tell you paul's in crawley paul question or answer question james carry on paul and it's not a it's not a foodie one oh good but um james when they build these tunnels like for example the cross rail um tunnel yeah 
I'm sure you and your wisdom can answer this. Mm. When they build these tunnels, what do they do with all that soil, all that groundwork that comes out? And why can't that be used to, you know, where we have these cliffs falling down on the on the coast? Yes. Why can't that soil be used, that groundwork be used to stop all that, um, to stop all those cliffs falling down? I think the short answer to the second bit of the question would be that it would just wash away. Uh, you, you, you know, if you just dropped loose soil or, or rock oh, yeah. somewhere, it would just wash <laughs> away in terms of cliffs. And I can answer the first question, actually, with one of my favourite bits of London trivia, but it's not going to be specific to Crossrail. I don't know if that's going to be a problem for you. I'm just curious what happens to all that... Un- when all they that dig up r- stuff, what do they, 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 yeah. they, they generally try to relocate it in somewhere that would, would have a benefit, or not far from where I live... Um, I always get mixed up between the M4 and the M40. What, what's the one that goes out of West London, out of Hounslow, out of down, down? It's the M40, isn't it? You go up the M40 out of town, there are some yeah. perfectly shaped um, hills, which I think were put there when they dug out Wembley Stadium. So oh, they've, they've, they've sort of made a, a little country park type event. But my all-time favourite example of this uh, is, um, do you know what the relationship is between St. Catherine's Dock um, just beneath Tower Bridge. Yeah, I know where he is. And Pimlico. No, I don't. Pimlico was marshy, marshland, up until the point at which St. Catherine's Dock was dug out. And they took all the soil and rubble from St. Catherine's Dock and took it up the Thames in barges and used it to render Pimlico safe. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Is that not one of your all-time favourite pieces of London <laughs> trivia? <laughs> It's absolutely first class, so, uh, and I'm 99.9% sure it's true. Uh, you, you sometimes may misremember things, but I love that piece of trivia, it, and it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because you've got boggy riverside land, but if you pile loads and loads and loads of dry, um, firm rocks and, and soil on it it, 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 it creates a new layer, and they built on it. Oh, I see. They also That's used great. to heat, you know, Dolphin Square just off uh, in, in Pimlico. They yeah. used to heat it with water from the power station on the other side of the road. Wow. But that's well, not what you asked. No, you're very welcome. I, I love that. Isn't knowledge a wonderful? <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I'm not, I mean, if I've got it wrong, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'll stop boasting about how clever I am and just do this. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Scott's in Colchester. Scott, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on. Uh, so it's the at symbol. Uh, yes. I was looking at my keyboard the other day. Obviously, it's used quite a lot now in email addresses, Twitter handles, etc. Yeah. Did it exist before the computer age? And if so, what was it used for? I think I like that question. I mean, I, almost certainly the answer is yes to the first bit, but I don't know what the what the why is. Um, what 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 was it used for? Because it, presumably it would have been on a. Um, what are they called, the individual bits of typeset? Are they called individual bits of typeset? Absolutely no idea. No, nor have I. So there must, because otherwise there's no reason why it would have ended up on a typewriter. You had it on typewriters no. before computers came along, didn't you? Absolutely, what, yeah. What was it for before it was our email address? Agreed, yeah. I love that question, actually. Do you spend a lot of time contemplating your keyboard and wondering about the universe? <laughs> I'm an accountant, so yes, I spend a lot of time on my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> 22 minutes after 12. Good man, Scott. We've got that. Um, so we've got Sweet Potatoes, the Carrington event, um, the at sign, a few others as well. What was the last one? I really like the last one as well. We'll come back to it. Someone else is keeping a record of this. Dave's in Clackett Lane. Um, question or answer, Dave? It's a question, please, James. Carry on, Dave. Are you at the services? 
I am indeed. Have yeah. they got anything incongruous for sale? One of my favourite calls to this programme back in the day was when someone rang me from Cracklick Lane Services to tell me that they were selling wetsuits at a special bargain price. <laughs> well, it is uh, downpouring at the moment, so mate. So you can get yourself <laughs> on. Somebody could be doing a trade, yeah? <laughs> Go on, what's your question? Uh, uh, who invented or who devised the random numbers on a dartboard? They're not like random. Got 20, well... Okay. They're not random. 20 and 19 are as far apart as it's possible for them to be, and if you start from what? there... Well, that's right. Everything who, else makes who, sense. Who devised what number goes where? I like that. Yeah, who designed the dartboard? Yeah. All right, you're on. You'd think you'd have... Uh, I don't know. I know this. I know this. It, it was the Earl of Dartmouth. The Earl of Dartmouth, Dave. What he was doing? He? Yeah, he was doing archery practice with. Because if you go back far enough in English history, all all noblemen were expected to have a trained troop of of soldiers ready for you know the next invasion by the French or whatever it may be. And the Earl of yeah. Dartmouth was out training his troops in archery. They were doing archery, shooting arrows at the board, and it started raining like it has today. And so he went indoors yeah. and tried to come up with a way of, of practising archery indoors, so he invented darts. And that's why it's called darts, because it was invented by the Earl of Dartmouth. Right, but how, how did he come about saying, I'll stick one next to 20? Damn you, Dave. Right. Damn you, Five Dave. <laughs> I, I, listen, two things. Number one, that first bit's not true. It's a story I invented about two years ago in the hope of still being on the radio one day when someone brings it back to me and claims that it's true. It's, it's the only thing I've ever done on the radio that one of my daughters thinks is funny. Because she claims <laughs> that one of her friends at school told her that darts had been invented by the Earl of Dartmouth and her dad had heard it on the radio. So it's already working. <laughs> it's already working, but it's not true. And I'm not going to send you out into the wide world equipped with false knowledge. So we'd want to know, who in, not so much who invented darts, but who designed Design the dartboard. Well, and why? And you're on. We'll get you an answer to that. 25 minutes after 12 is the time. 03456060973. Some breaking news for you. I wouldn't normally bother with breaking news during Mystery Hour because um, Mystery Hour is so important. But this is quite... Um, what's the word I'd use? Hilarious. Aaron Banks and other people and groups linked to the Leave campaign have been referred to the National Crime Agency for suspected criminal offences in the Brexit referendum, the Electoral Commission has said. A number of criminal offences may have been committed, the Commission said, saying there were reasonable grounds to suspect that Banks, the insurance millionaire who backed the unofficial Leave campaign, was not the true source of £8 million in loans to it. That's a very interesting development, I'm sure you'll agree. Crikey, all that time he spent trolling me on Twitter, he should have been talking to his lawyers. It's coming up to 27 minutes after 12. Chris is in Cheltenham. Chris, question or answer? Uh, answer, James. Carry on, Chris. Um, the chap's uh, question about why, first of all, where the tunnelling uh, material goes. Yeah. Well, the cross, the cross thread one in particular, uh, that was all in London Clay, or still is in London Clay. Yes. That has predominantly gone to a place called Wallasey Island which is out in the Thames, oh, yeah. which they created uh, a, a, a habitat for wetland birds, that sort of thing. So they're making the island bigger? Correct, yes. Oh, if you okay. just Google Wallasey Island... No, I don't need to. I've got you here. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other part of his question was, why can't it be reused yeah. elsewhere? Well, that really comes down to what material you're, being, you're tunnelling through and how you're tunnelling through it. So... To, to, big, uh, to construct tunnels, use a TBM, tunnel boring machine. Yes. There's t 
two types of that is either a slurry machine or an earth machine. Now, the slurry machine renders the material pretty much useless because of the processes that you have to go through to, to take out the material. It basically grinds the, the ground instead of digging it out. Um, so it just renders it unusable. Um, they also have to add additives to it sometimes to improve the efficiency of the chemistry of the filter presses and stuff yeah so i'm going to give you a round of applause but i was right about pimlico you know did you know that i did not know but i like pimlico because i'm a staunch uh, anti-brexit thing and the pimlico plumbers uh, oh charlie yeah he's playing a blinder isn't it I, I like yeah, Pimlico because my publishers are in me, Victoria. I, I know you must be under severe pressure to talk about other stuff, but keep on doing your Brexit thing. It, man. I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not under pressure from anyone to do anything. It's just, it's, it's just you worry sometimes that, that even the likes of you and me are going to get sick of hearing about it soon. But not yet. Oh, not and yet. Your book's in the post today, mate. Your book's in the post today. Oh, good man. What are, you, what are your qualifications to answer this question? I'm currently working on a tunneling project in the north of England, and I'm the environmental advisor that deals with the. The, the horizons and the waste. So your job is to dispose of the waste dug up when tunnelling? I find places for it to go and I ensure that compliance is all in line with the permits and that sort of thing. How, how many people are there in your line of work, roughly, in this country? Um, not many. What? Thankfully, we'll keep that quiet. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> they'll all be a fly. You know what you've done. You know what you've done, don't you, Chris? Oh, go on. No, mate, absolutely, all day long. It's stone cold. (laughs) You're over the line, my friend. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. Give him the round of applause as well. Great work. Great work, Chris. Life's complete, mate. (laughs) Achievement unlocked, my friend. 29 minutes after 12 is the time. You are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. I haven't been keeping very um, very good notes on this one, so uh, I'll catch up in the break with what else needs answering. The meat question, I think, probably still needs a little bit more detail. The Carrington event question needs an awful lot of knowledge. Um, How much warning will we get of the next Carrington event like? Um, event. Who who designed the dartboard or or indeed invented the dartboard? Why do sweet potatoes yield less mash than white potatoes? Oh, and I love the at sign. Um, You know, the at that we use in our Twitter handles or in our email addresses. Was that around before (laughs) typewriters? Was that around before computers? And if so, what was it actually for? Because we never use it for anything else these days. Um, A couple of others as well, but I'll get them. I'll work out what they are during the break because Forgive me, nobody's perfect. I've forgotten. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Uh, I'm sure Sheila will have more detail, or, or, or the news bulletins will have more detail on that breaking news story involving um, the odd little man, Aaron Banks, uh, who has been referred to the National Crime Agency along with some others over concerns regarding the, the funding of the... Um, the leave campaign 12:35 is the time but mystery hour obviously supersedes all such concerns questions that need answers are currently about potatoes dartboards meat the carrington event and that at sign on your computer keyboard max is in hither green will it be a question or an answer max it will be an answer carry on uh the at sign yes i'm surprised the guy didn't know as he was an accountant because it's an accountancy symbol so it's um, been around it's, for as long as printing yeah, presses. Yeah, uh, it's are, Victorian times at least. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, it's it's so many items at. Of course stuff. it is. So, e- each at. So ten apples yeah. at four p on an at. accountancy on an invoice or a yeah, ledger. Yeah. So 
I'm, I'm, I mean, at is only two letters, but I suppose it's still uh, easier to, to type. No, but it needs, it's more than that. It's each at, because you could put yeah. 10 apples at 4p, and no one would know whether it was 10 apples for 4p or 10 apples for 4p each. So it specifically means each at, doesn't it? So, so you would be writing E-A-C-H space A-T. You'd need yeah. seven things on your, if you were printing it. Oh, and, mate, and although, look at this teamwork, Max. Although it seems like it's perfect because, you know, it's a, a certain person at a domain name, it's, um, it was just a random thing, I seem to remember reading. The guy that, that invented the email system, sent the first email, chose that symbol because he was looking for something that wasn't really going to be used in anybody's name. And it was, it was sort of convenient. And so he, he chose the at symbol. So that's how we get, you know... Um, James O'Brien at lbc.co.uk. Actually, I, I'm like, be- I'm, hey, 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 I'm like Beyonce, mate. You can just put James <laughs> at lbc.co.uk. James. Yeah, 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 yeah seriously. I, I, I have to go through my full name because I'm not as famous as you. Well, there used to be three or four Jameses here. Some of the others started complaining. Why does he get the Christian there? It's just because I was here first. Round of applause from, oh, qualification. No, stop, 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 reset. Qu- qualifications, mate? Well, double. I was a, uh, a newspaper sub editor for, for about 20 years. Oh, yeah. And uh, more recently, I do something called FDO, which you may or may not know what that means. But I don't think I do. Basically, it, I, 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 I get websites to the top of Google. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, search engine optimization. <laughs> Correct. You're on. Although, if, if, if you talk to us SEOs, we don't like to call it search engine optimization because you're optimizing for people, not for search engines. Okay. But, you know. Yeah. There we go. It sounds like fun. <laughs> Round of applause. No, it well, it, it, sounds, it sounds all right. I mean, you know, there you go. At least you've got career options open because the, the world of subbing doesn't have anything like the opportunities that it used to. I've given him his round of applause, have I? Or did we rescind? Give him another one. I like him. There we go. Mind how you go, Max. One day you too might have a single name, commercial email address. 12.38 is the time. Carl is in Birmingham. Carl, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, James. Carry on. So, um, obviously, when we breathe in, we breathe in through our mouth, we can then breathe out through our nose. Yeah. If you've got smelly breath or if you've had, like, a cheese and onion sandwich, if you breathe in through your mouth and then breathe out of your mouth, you can then smell your breath. If you breathe in and then breathe out through your nose, you can't actually smell it. What? If you, in what circumstances can you smell your breath? Okay, so if you've got smelly breath after something you've eaten... No, I know what, but I know you, what smelly breath is. And how, how can you ever smell your own breath? I don't think I've ever managed that feat. Well, if you breathe out your mouth into your hands and sniff, oh, you can yeah. smell it. Yeah, mm, fragrant. But if, but if you do the same from your nose and then sniff, you can't smell it. So yeah, but that, because 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 the stuff that's making your breath smells in your gob, not your nose. Yeah, but if you breathe in through your mouth, it's going inside you. And then if you breathe it out your nose, surely it should still smell. Oh, you're weird. You sound like you want <laughs> it. You sound like you are cross that you can't actually expel halitosis from your nose. Yeah, but if you're breathing in, then that smell surely is going to go down inside you. Then it should, in theory, come out your nose, but it doesn't. Oh, mate, you're making my teeth itch now. Never mind my nose. Why why doesn't bad... If you breathe in and you've got a rancid breath situation unfolding, 
yeah. bloke, bloke next to me in the coffee queue this morning had clearly had a very, very heavy night and then finished it off with a kebab. The evidence was all was all, all, all over the Atmos. <laughs> why do, why can't you smell it on the... Well, you can never smell your breath in your nose. But then... Oh, I don't know. I understand the question. It's a terrible phone line. Get Carl an answer now. And we forgot about Gary's question about calories, so get that on the board as well. Calories, bad breath, meat, Carrington events, dartboards and sweet potatoes. Kyle's in St. Austell in Cornwall. Kyle, question or answer? It's an answer. Carry on. Uh, it's a Carrington event. Oh, um, yeah. Is it Carrington? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, right. Carrington. <laughs> but I know the answer. Good. That's, that's, <laughs> my, that's the man. That's, that's, the that's, that's the main thing, yeah. <laughs> um... When the sun lets off any sort of radiation, uh, it takes about eight minutes to get to Earth. So, assuming we're watching the sun and we see the flare actually expel from the sun's surface, we'd have about eight minutes notice. We'd have what? About eight minutes. Eight minutes to sort of react to that, assuming that we are watching the sun and see the solar flare sort of expel from the sun. What is a solar flare? A solar flare is a big discharge of electromagnetic radiation from the sun's surface. And, and the caller, the questioner, I think Mark, his name was, knew about one in 1858, which you didn't know about, but you just know what a solar flare is. Yeah. <laughs> what would it do? What would it do to us now on Earth, do you think? Um, it potentially could knock out all our communication satellites. Project, um, project fear, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. We'll um, that's what our uh, remainers obviously <laughs> talk about a lot. So. But yeah, um, because it's because it's a, it's, a, it's, like it's a massive pulse of energy that would move from the sun to, is, the, yeah. to the earth and, and knock stuff out. And at eight yeah. minutes, because that's the time it takes anything to travel from the sun to earth. Yes, uh, eight minutes for the uh, radiation. And there's no way that observing the sun could provide any clues to an imminent solar flare. Um, I don't think there is. No, I. We Blimey. know it's going to happen just by watching the sun's surface, but it's sort of, it's so instant that when Some, it does Do you happen, know, I got a tweet saying, I think that question is answerable, but I think you're going to be quite frightened by the answer. And he's right. <laughs> isn't he? So we'd have eight yeah. minutes, an eight-minute warning that everything could be about to get fried. Yeah, which obviously is not long enough to sort of react to do anything. You sort of have to ride it out. Yeah. I mean, you could turn your telly off if you were quick, because you, well, yeah. you, you might not break, because you, you'd want everything off when the when the, when the the flare hit, so that there was a chance you'd be able to turn it back on again when they got the electricity up and running. What are your qualifications, Carl? I'm a nuclear chemist. Shut the front door. <laughs> yeah. Full-on nuclear scientist. Yeah. So it's not nuclear. Yes, it is, actually. Are you... I mean, how many people are there in your kind of field? Um... Not many. <laughs> no, no, you can't just say not many. You, you, of course, it's, um, and, and this is this is nuclear chemistry that you're describing to us, or not? Because it's yeah. not. But it, it is because the sun is a nuclear is, explosion. Yeah. It's just a nuclear furnace, yeah. A nuclear furnace. The producer's looking at me with a very blank face. I, I can't take responsibility <laughs> for, for what you don't understand. How many chemists are there in your field, roughly in the country, working at the moment? Hundreds. Oh, I couldn't give you an exact figure. Bless you for being so <laughs> honest. And and what what's on next on your to do list? What does a nuclear scientist do after phoning Mister? Um, has a lunch, I think. No, well, after that, are you allowed <laughs> to tell me, or is this is it, are we doing a state secret? What 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 what's on what's on the agenda this afternoon? Um, well, I don't actually work in that field anymore because there's not right. much down in Cornwall. Th- those you are know, your we, qualifications in nuclear yeah. chemistry. Good man. Um, yeah. and and of course the the. You could have just said very hard sums, James. That would be most of it, wouldn't it? <laughs> Pretty much, Let's yeah. give him a round of applause. Carl, thanks ever so much. I love that answer. 12.45 is the time. Um, so we've done that. That was good to know, although absolutely terrifying to learn. Calories, what, wh- where do they come from? Why can't you smell your own breath? 
if you breathe in through your mouth and infest the breath with your rancid halitosis and then breathe out through your nose theoretically very occasionally there are a couple of things like ammonia smells will come out through your nose but very little else i don't know what the answer to that is um where did calories come from who invented the dartboard not not darts itself everyone knows that the game of darts was invented by the earl of dartmouth but who designed the dartboard the original design of the dartboard that then spread around the world and the sweet potatoes question i thought we'd do better with to be honest with you why do sweet potatoes yield less mash than normal potatoes as in as in white potatoes your king edward or your or your marius piper you're listening to a podcast of james o'brien from lbc just just a little word of thanks to everyone who has been in touch about um, quite a big event in my life today. I'm, I'm very touched by your concern. I'd also like to thank all the gammon for the really thick reviews that they've put up on Amazon because it allowed me to um, promote it furiously. And you've got me up to number 14, gammon. So thanks ever so much for that. I don't know how I'll ever be able to repay you. It is coming up to 10 to 1. You're listening to James O'Brien and LBC. Back to Mystery Hour. Brian is in Dulwich. Brian, question or answer? There's an answer for you, James, and it's probably going to add to the case of veganism as well. Oh, no. It's, um, oh, about, uh, I love the... it. You're knitting the topics <laughs> together today, my friend. Go on, Yay. <laughs> exactly. What okay, have we got? Well, so it's, it's about meat, meat, then. So we're back, we're back to the steak right. question, yeah. aren't we? Go on. You're right about the chicken with salmonella, but yes. it's actually with pork. Is because pigs are omnivores. Uh, they can eat, also eat rodents, and rodents carry a parasite which is uh, called, I think it's called trichinella. Right. And uh, so that's why you cook the pork thoroughly to order to get rid of the parasites. So it's. They eat a rat? Yeah. It's like that old woman who swallowed a fly, isn't it? Exactly. And then the bacteria in the rat transfers to the pig. No, no, it's it's a parasite. A parasite in the rat. Yeah. That transfers to the pig. And the pig's stomach juices doesn't kill the parasite, so you've got to cook the bejesus out of it in order to make sure that the parasite is dead. Exactly. And that probably explains why ancient religions um avoided pork there you go you've also tied in religion as well no? it's always got a religious context somewhere in the background <laughs> haven't you um that's Can we include brexit a, that's, that's, well actually we'll probably have to eat rats after brexit what are your qualifications um i used to work on a farm years ago and my granddad kept pigs perfect and so you could actually if you kept the pigs very carefully you could ensure that they weren't um, infected in because there are dishes. I'm sure in Southeast Asia, I've had a minced pork dish that was pretty close yeah. to raw. I mean, I was probably taking my life mm. in my hands. But if you kept your pig in, you know, in in, in, I don't know, in your sitting room and you knew there weren't any rats around, you could probably raise one without this problem. But you'd be yeah. hard put to farm on a commercial level. Observing, exactly, yeah. that's the commercial, even the free range yeah, uh, pig keeping is definitely would get uh, rodents oh, you're right mm. you know i think in our lifetime veganism mm. might, might become the norm and eating meat will be a bit like smoking marlboro reds or, <laughs> or drinking meths <laughs> round of applause for brian yeah. thank you very much great stuff mate Twelve fifty-one is the time matthew is in southampton question or answer matthew steward's inquiry Which on the carrington event whoa he was a nuclear chemist mate Although he went yeah. a bit cagey at the end, didn't he? I don't know, either he yeah, is undercover he did, he did. on a secret government project or, or he might have misremembered what he learnt at university. <laughs> Go on, over to you. So, um, it's the photons from the sun will take about eight minutes to get there. He's correct about that. Right. But it's the protons and neutrons that do the damage. Right. And that will take five to eight days to get to the Earth. If you think of it like a sprinkler, like a water sprinkler, we can see it turn on. But then the water will take time to actually reach us. Oh, okay. Qualifications? Uh, I'm doing a PhD 
partly in solar physics. <sighs> oh, the listeners to this. Do you know, some people still think that radio phonies are just for sort of racist taxi drivers. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got two, nu- two solar physicists on the, or right, a nuclear chemist and now a solar physicist on the programme. Yeah. So how, how would I feel the photons? Uh, how would they, how would I feel them on Earth? Um, not the photons, or the photons, we wouldn't feel them, but basically we can see it coming. So I could observe it, but when it got here, it wouldn't have any particular impact on Earth, but it would be a precursor of... We'd have to wait for the protons and neutrons to hit us, and it wouldn't actually affect us, it would just affect all the electronics. Yeah, no, no, I know, but that that could also affect us. I mean, you say that if you're on a life support machine, mate, you're going to be pretty worried if the electronics yeah, yeah, kick well, out, yeah. aren't you? As it goes, um, what well, beautiful answer! It's like a good pair of answers, and I don't have to rescind the other fellow's round of applause because essentially what you've done is just expand upon what he said. So, seven to eight days, we probably could take some sort of precautions, but more yeah, than we more than we could in eight that. hours. We'd actually have to turn on all of the power lines, not turn them off. Is that right? The load across the whole system. <laughs> Rather than blowing up specific things. Mate, you are a genius. What are you going to do when you've got your PhD? What sort of line of work do you want to go into? I have no idea yet. Really? Yeah, no idea. Probably academia, but we'll see. Well, the students will be glad to have you. You've got a lovely way to... Brian Cox was on yesterday, and not everybody can communicate complicated things. He's my idol, so... He's he's pretty close to mine now. Matthew, round of applause, mate. Beautiful answer. Beautiful answer. Actually, that's three hardcore scientists we've had on the programme in three days. I forgot about the prof appearing yesterday. I really want a calories answer. If we can get an answer on where calories... What, what, I mean, it must have been a bloke. Was it called calorie? It's a unit of heat. Don't laugh. Well, it's called Carol. His wife was called Carol, so he discovered something, decided to call it a calorie. But where? where? Someone must know. 0345 6060973. Danny is in Southfleet. Danny, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on. Um, OK, the thing about sweet potatoes... Yes. They're not actually potatoes. It's the root of a, a bindweed plant. Okay. So the actual tuber itself is different inside. It's made up of a fibrous material, yes. which is not how potatoes are. Okay. So when you mash it all up, it doesn't hold as much air. Therefore, you get more from white potatoes than you get from sweet. So, so structure. What about absorbing water? Would that be part of it? Would the white ones absorb yes, more part water? Of it as well. There's, there's more holes, if you like, inside of an ordinary potato, and they're inside the fibrous one. Yeah. So it's a root. It's a completely different thing. No, so yeah, it's, like a, it's like a honeycomb. Think of a, honey, think of a honeycomb, and, and, and yeah. that, that'd be closer to your potato. So the holes in the honeycomb fill up with air or or, or, or water or, or b- b- yeah. lovely butter, and the sweet potato is, is just a completely different constituency. Com- completely different. And starchy as well, I can't remember. Why, why is it called? We just called it a potato because it, it was easier to... I mean, they just couldn't be bothered to come up with a more... I've, I've got no idea, really. I mean, you know, it's actually the, the root of a weed. Yeah. I mean, it tastes nice. It's, it's all right. It's and let's grind. not get carried away. I, I, I mean, <laughs> this, this business about having sweet potato chips when you go out for a burger, that needs to be stamped on immediately. But they are, they're all, they have their moments. What, what's, yeah, what, what are your qualifications, Dan? I grow potatoes. I'm a potato farmer. It's just one of those days today. Give him a radiator. Go on. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it. They will come. I know there's a lot of potato <laughs> farmers in the world, but I just sometimes I like to spread the love around a bit. Yeah. Great work. Um, Go uh, on. You know the question about that? Yeah. We, yeah, we used that for years. You know, if you'd say like 20 tons at a yeah. five a ton. Exactly. That was on, that was on the. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised the fellow who asked the question didn't know, given that he's an accountant, but it's a good, good job I can't remember his name. <laughs> round of applause for Danny. Come on, we've got to go squeeze in a couple more. John is in Lambeth. John, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on. Hello? Hello, I'm here, quick. Yes. 
Yes, yes. So um, the, the reason why you can't smell your breath when you breathe out. So yes. the reason is that yes. when, you breathe, when you breathe in, the air is light, and also the direction on inhalation directs the, the air towards the roof of your nose where you do your sensing, sensing the smell. Yes. When you breathe out, the air is humidified, it's heavier, and the direction is... So it's all about where the, where the olfactory process is. Yes, the olfactory neuroepithelium, which lies in the roof of the nose, is where you do your, your sensing so, it does, so it's a bit like um, sneaking under the wire, where, where the yeah, wire detects, like that, yes. detects fragrance. Well, exactly, yeah. Oh, so when you breathe answer. out, the, the air doesn't actually go to the roof of your nose, it goes straight out to your nostrils. Question or answer? I mean, um, qualifications? ENT surgeon. ENT surgeon. Ian knows and I know that. It's just taking the mickey out of my <laughs> colleague who put EM That's for right. Mother T up on the screen. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know it's an ear, nose, and throat surgeon, but I work with someone who thinks it's an ear, mose, and throat surgeon, according to the acronym oh, that they've put good. up on the screen. Round of applause for John. Not quite. It's not enough for a Ray Liotta, is it? To be. Oh, Ill. it should be. It should oh, be. Get <laughs> out of town. Seriously, move along. Uh, Ravi's in Crawley. Ravi, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. Good uh, afternoon. Hello, Ravi. What have you got for me? Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, can, I can't answer the complete question on calorie, but I do have a little bit of knowledge on that. Yes. So, uh, uh, who, who discovered them, or invented them, or defined them? It, it was defined by a French, uh, was it a French chemist or a French scientist named uh, Nicholas Clement? Okay. Uh, this was in eighteen thirties. Not 40s, allowed to not look. Sure. Oh yeah, you're doing it from memory. And what? When now, did? When did they sort? Yeah. We're going to run out of time. Sheila Fogarty's here. When did they yeah, sort of okay. move into the mainstream? Right, so uh, we, the, the thing was the scientific community defined it as a two different things. So you've got the small calorie, the ground calorie, and then you have the large calorie for the food measurement. So the small calorie is, uh, is a unit of heat energy, and that is defined as the amount of heat energy required to raise the gram, to raise one gram of water so by one degree centigrade at, at the pressure of one atmosphere. To heat That's it up. Small, sorry, say again? To heat it up, to heat up the water. Yeah, to heat up the water. That's uh, for the chemical measurements. The large calories for the food measurements. I'm out of time. Give him a round of applause. And there it is. Don't worry. Uh, and it's just coming out to one o'clock. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where the next voice you will hear belongs to Sheila Fogarty. Thank you, James. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.